We are back, baby. We are back. That's we right. are back. You are looking live. We get after it. You know, we jabber jaw. We go tit for tat. We have our little differences. Let's get funky like a monkey. And here we go. Hello, and welcome to the Moose and Ruins podcast. This is episode 228 of the pod. Alongside Matt Rooney, I am Joe Musso. All your smoothest stylings from the sporting world coming your way, including a Bears breakdown, coming off a loss, but I don't know, it's odd to say a positive loss, or at least a we'll loss. Get it. With we'll get into it. A loss with some window dressing. We're going to talk college go. football playoff. Uh, first rankings released. Some big surprises uh, in the first release of the rankings just a day ago. We have a World Series champion in the Atlanta Braves. We will, t- we will tip our cap that way. And... Uh, We'll offer up some winners and losers across the NFL as well as hand out some locks. And if you are not playing the Moose and Runes locks right now, the boys are hot. Doing yourself justice. Six and three on both sides of the aisle and no signs of slowing down. But first and foremost, Matt Rooney, how the hell are you? I'm, I'm doing well. It's Wednesday. Looking forward to, to getting past this one and then looking forward towards the weekend. How about yourself, Joseph? Wow. He's already, are you just like a rat race guy now? You're just like a, hey, gotta get through, gotta get through today. And you know, no, 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 no. Sorry. I should have passed halfway to the weekend. Should have prefaced, should have prefaced on Sunday. I, I'm going to Florida with Alyssa for a couple days. So I'm looking forward to escaping oh, okay. to the yeah. sun for a few days. I'm sorry. I apologize. I no, left the apartment for coffee this morning. It was a, a brisk 35, and not that that's too cold for, for us here in Chicago or more you there in Connecticut, but at the same time, when you know you got that 75 and sunny waiting for you, you feel that wind chill just a little bit big. more. Yeah. yeah and and holding that iced just, coffee in the hand, too, was like, oh, it's mm-hmm. even colder now. At the you same time, yeah. You know, you, iced coffee knows no... Iced coffee knows no limit in the Musso household. We'll drink iced coffee deep through winter. It's just it's just the way it has to be. I feel like we've broached this topic we have. before. I used to be a, I used to be a seasonal guy, but now I would just say I'm more like a probably a seventy thirty iced. Yeah, yeah. You, you know what I'm. Uh, you know what I'm most looking forward to here over the next couple weeks, months. Just outerwear. You know, mm-hmm. just just some good outerwear. A top coat here, a leather jacket and a hoodie there. I'm becoming Maybe. a vest guy. I like Dare a good I say, vest. Yeah, yeah, good vest. See, you are becoming a nine to five grinder. You're, you just told me that you can't. You're working for the weekend, and you to love get to vest. a vacation, not even a vacation. Essentially, work there, you work at HR at for State Farm. That's I got like, a nice. I got. I got a. I, I got a nice Peter Millar vest. I love. I love bringing out here when the cold comes. You know, out. I got you know a nice the benefits Cup package. Polo vest. The benefits package uh, at at Digitas. Is you're just, talking uh, about a top uh, coat. <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. Um, I do. We might have to do a little Moose and Runes poll here. Uh, I am uh, going to be anchoring our on-site coverage from the Army-Navy game, December 11th. Very much looking forward to that at MetLife Stadium. The um, poll is: Should Moose get Runes some tickets? That that could be a poll. That's going to be a poll. Uh, <laughs> another poll is: You know, it, it, there's going to have to be an outerwear decision made. Ooh. I think this will be the first. This will be the first like time that. that this will be the first. Uh, no, I guess there might have been some some Nebraska cold games where I did hits in in larger jackets. So mm-hmm. it, we we have we have a jacket decision to make. Uh, something that's got to be sharp. Something that's uh, you know something that really stands out. Um, well, certainly but, you'll have your options. We all know. Yeah, that. yeah, yeah. yeah you're no, you're not going to be that's short that's of options. Well, I'm, I'm certainly looking forward to it. And the uh, us here at the Moose and Runes podcast, myself and the listeners, are here for you to aid you in your decision. We would, uh, we would love to be a part of that decision making process if you'll have us. 
you know, it's it's the people's podcast, so uh, we will, we will most definitely take take all opinions uh, into account before making the decision. But uh, we got some opinions to offer here about the Chicago Bears who suffer another loss. This one at the hands of the San Francisco 49ers, but it was the best sixty minutes of Justin Fields' career. Yeah, um, runs for a hundred plus yards rushing. Uh, looked serviceable through the air. Looked solid through the air. Um, you can tell that losing is frustrating him, which I like. I, I don't want it to become like his his per, his prevailing thought process because they're going to lose a lot of games this year. But um, you can tell that it's really bothering him, and I think that there's some good to be found in that as well. But you know, we saw some of those flash plays, how we like to call them, mm-hmm. uh, on Sunday, whether it be the. The uh, roll right, cut back left, touchdown run, uh, whether it be a couple of those other evade the rush, go get 15 down the sideline, uh, whether it be a, a ball put on the money, it was, you know, it, it felt like a step in the right direction to knowing that we've got a guy and that maybe with the right help around him, that being coaching predominantly, that a guy can become the guy. Um, because you're seeing some other uh, rookie quarterback play across the NFL that I don't even think that some of those, you know, some of those uh, franchises can say that they have a guy right now. So I think we've I think we've stepped into the realm of a guy that could develop to the guy. But, uh, you know, it, it's just not a complete package right now for the Bears. And uh, we could lament over the loss or we could focus on fields. And I, I choose to do the latter. Yeah, I, I- don't get me wrong. When Fields pulled off that run and I've, I've tied up the game, I was hoping they'd come back and win. Cairo Santos misses an extra point. I, it's yep. hard for me to be too mad at Cairo Santos because he hadn't missed a kick in like a year. Yeah, um, those, those, those are going to happen from time to time, unfortunate timing, but it's kind of whatever. I've said it from the beginning of the year. I've kind of kept the same mantra. I'm going to – I'm rooting more for Justin Fields than I am for the Bears at this point. Definitely. And he was – I thought that was – one of his best games, if not his best game, we've seen him in a Bears uniform. The throw that he made on that, that touchdown pass to Jesse James, I believe it was, was as good of a throw as I've oh, ever seen a Bears. It's, it's as good of a throw as I've seen a Bears quarterback make, and I think you'd probably say the same thing. Yeah. Um, Although, to, to just cut you off for a second no, here. sure. Last night, YouTube rabbit hole took me to a Jay Cutler highlight reel. And um, not to say I, – I agree with you that that was the most, like – precise, accurate, impressive body control throw. Mm -hmm. Watching Jay's tape, it was a lot of Chuck and Duck. Not that I don't, like, not that I didn't remember that, but just like some of his biggest plays were just like, screw it, I broke the pocket, I'm going to throw literally a Hail Mary. Mm -hmm. There was a lot of Hail Mary football there. Just a a slight digression um, back into into Cuddyville. But but go on with with your field thought. Uh, no, I was also going to say that it's – first off, I, I love watching Jay and watching his highlights are still fun because, like <laughs> you said, it's just uh, he's going deep. Um, but what, I think it was a little bit telling that Justin Fields had his best week. I know Matt Nagy still has a hand in preparation and all that stuff, and he's mm-hmm. still relaying messages. But I think it's a little bit telling that he had his best week away – not only game, but you know, preparing for the game, all that stuff, without Matt Nagy there. Uh, it's it, – the, 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 
the offense moved better. Justin Fields was more efficient. The play calling was a whole lot better. I, I, I know he passed over play calling duties to Bill Lazor, but there's no doubt in my mind that Matt Nagy's still at Bill Lazor's headset, telling him, you know, giving him some guidance or direction here and there. It's very telling that the best game this kid has had came without your quote unquote guru, whatever mm-hmm. offensive head coach that you. It's not working. They're not seeing eye to eye. Matt Nagy doesn't know how to tailor an offense to the quarterback he has. He knows how to try to tailor a quarterback to his offense, and that just doesn't work. That's not what good head so, coaches do. So not only that, but you can't tell me. You know, Matt Nagy himself laid it out in front of us that even when he handed over the play sheet to Laser, that everything comes mm-hmm. through him. Yep. And what I take that to believe, what I take that to mean is that Laser calls the play, Nagy relays it into fields and changes it if he wants so my understanding is that the voice in the headset because i believe you can only have one voice in the headset is still um, naggy the voice in the headset is still naggy and last week we understand that him not being at the game him not being around the team it was not his voice in justin field's head and i think that if you boil it down to that fact it is plain and simple to see that this team and these players are far better without Matt Nagy. And if you need any other further proof of that, I don't know what needs to be explained. I don't know what's yet to be understood by those making the decisions. And maybe it is the simple fact of we don't fire coaches in the middle of the season, but I ask you, why the hell not? Yeah, Maybe you can't, you can't fire ahead. a guy for certain um, – medical reasons when he's on COVID leave. Uh, maybe that bought him a little extra time. We were reading some reports that the McCaskies were growing um, frustrated or whatever. Yeah. That they were growing impatient with Matt Nagy. Well, yeah, here's another bullet point on why he should not be your head coach moving forward. Yeah. It's because Justin Fields, a young, talented future of the franchise quarterback had his best 60 minutes of football away from his head coach. Like it's it's just it sometimes it's far more simple than these mega mm-hmm. minds try to make it out to be. And I think it's pretty simple to see what's going on right now with the Chicago Bears. They play better, they are better, they execute better without him. It's that simple. I feel like in this league especially people like the McCaskies probably like they, they overthink things, they look too far into things and, and and let what's sitting right in front of them the simple answer not ever be the actual answer. They think they, that there always has to be some sort of deeper meaning, some underlying reason for everything when sometimes like you said, the answer is just sitting right in front of you. And yeah. you know, like I know their policy is we don't fire head coaches or whatever in season and all that kind of stuff. But like, not not the, obviously Matt Nagy wasn't fired, but you had a new head coach last week and the, you had somebody else running the show. You had that disruption, and guess what? It was fine. Like nothing bad happened. The, the team played whatever. I mean, it was it was a close game. What they lost, but it wasn't like an, it wasn't the Buccaneers game, anything like that. Your quarterback went out and played really well. Like. The world doesn't explode. Alice Hall doesn't crumble to the ground if you decide the guy running the show in season isn't fit to run the show anymore, and he's not. And obviously, COVID um, probably you know, does throw a wrench into that. And I, I don't know if and when Matt Nagy's back or whatever. I'm sure it's back at some point this week. But like, at some point, you have to just look at what's in front of you, look at the cards you have, 
and play them and not try and figure out why this, you know, hand you're dealt can actually somehow mm-hmm. win. Just play your hand and see what yeah. happens. And yeah. the, the hand is very obvious to play right now. I, I, I couldn't agree with you anymore. Uh, also, I, I'd say, I mean, yeah, we're we're totally drunk on Justin Fields and, and I'm willing to be for the rest of the season because the results just aren't going to be there. Mm-hmm. And part of that is you give up 38 points to the Buccaneers and you give up 33 points to the 49ers. I don't know what's going on with this defense. I don't know why they are so hit or miss. I don't know why they, again, just show an unwillingness to tackle. Yep. Um, I don't know why there's a lack of physicality. I don't know why they can't get the quarterback to the ground. I am completely befuddled by this defense because, they're, they're, again, there really isn't a deficiency in talent. Is it? Are, are we? Are we not giving? Are, are we not giving enough flack to um, the DC? Are we not giving enough uh, of an ear beating to the leadership, whether that be uh, Hicks up front or Quinn outside, or I know Mac was down or Roquan. Mm-hmm. I mean, we've given enough of an ear beating to Eddie Jackson. I think we know what we know about him. Um, Would have loved to seen him on the move before the deadline, but the Bears do nothing. Um, I, I just, I'm completely befuddled by this defense and whatever lights their fire, it, it's just, it's not a constant. They, they, they can't self-motivate. It seems like they can't really get themselves up for games. There needs to be some larger picture. There yep. needs to be a quarterback change. There needs to be a, uh, there needs to be a rivalry matchup. There needs to be a, uh, 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 let's say there needs to be something extra. I mean, there it, needs to be Khalil Mack going up against the Raiders. Like they can't mm-hmm. just like show up for a ball game and dominate. It's it's frustrating to watch, and I, I think it speaks to the need to rebuild this defense and just start getting that process underway. I think they. I, Grant, I hope Ryan Pace isn't the guy doing it going forward. But I, I mean, I think you're starting to see a new transition. I I can't. Roquan Smith, I, I think, has been fantastic all year, and I have no problem with him. But, yeah, no, 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 not his player, no, no, but, but his leader, his leadership. I ask, can can you not can you not be the tide that rises all the ships? May, maybe that, you that's could, the next level for a guy. I guess what I'm saying, they were, and this isn't why they played so bad, but like you, there was you know Khalil Mack was out, Eddie Jackson left the game, and you have a banged up Akeem Hicks, which by the way, as much as I love Akeem Hicks for what he was in 2018 and what he tries to be every game. The guy just can't stay healthy, and if you even consider giving him, a, a, you know, a, any sort of significant amount of money after this year, you're crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, let him walk, or see if he wants a one-year deal, whatever. But like, you got a lot of guys that are playing banged up, and that are it seem like they kind of pack it in. And you know, a, a guy like an Akeem Hicks or an older guy like a, a Danny Trevathan, who was a, another terrible contract. I don't know what Ryan Pace was doing extending him like he did, like. They might not really even listen to a Roquan Smith because they're kind of saying this is some young kid. And I, I guess, you know, yeah. it, it's it's frustrating to watch, but this is more and more reason more reason why I'm disappointed people weren't moved at the deadline. Like you're seeing some of the pieces in, of a Roquan Smith of a Jalen Johnson who's had some moments this year, even disappointed, but overall he's been a pretty darn good corner. Like you're seeing some pieces of the future, but it, it's gonna you got to start moving on from the old pieces. Khalil Mack's been great this year, but he's going to be, I believe, 32 years old. I don't know what you're going to, what kind of picks you can get for him or what the cap it looks like if you move him, but you have to kind of start moving out these pieces because they're not a part of the next one. 
to be frank, I think it, it speaks even further into the the state of thinking in that front office is that they're somehow disillusioned into thinking that like, oh, no, we're not that far away. We're still pretty close. Their inactivity at the deadline here, mm -hmm. I, I think, worries me gravely because they don't understand where they're at as a franchise where we do. We understand that this is not a championship team anymore because it's not a championship mm -hmm. head coach. It's a rookie quarterback. And the defense is playing uninspired football. Those are three pretty damning notes. Whether or not you want to win a championship or make the playoffs, it's not going to happen. Still, this front office thinks they have what they need for some reason mm -hmm. or another, and they simply don't. Uh, the sell-off needed to begin before 4 o'clock on Tuesday, before the deadline. They needed to make some sort of move. I mean, I'll, I'll raise my hand here mm -hmm. and say that I'm so glad that instead of – you know, I'm so glad that the um, – the alternative to not moving players was not being a buyer. That's how, that's how little I believe in this front office. Like I think that they could have walked into it and I'm, I, I'm not, I wouldn't be surprised if it came out that they were making calls to try and buy players at the deadline. Like they, they somehow thought that they were like, Oh, maybe we're a corner away. You know, maybe we need to just go out and get one more wide receiver and we'll be mm -hmm. fine. Build it in, tear it down, and build the fucking thing inside out. Excuse me to, to support your to support your quarterback who's shown signs of success already in his young career, surrounded in a, in a less than savory situation. Go get him an offensive line. Go rebuild the pass rush and go from there. Because it, it, it's just not a it's not a a winning product right now. It's not a winning formula, and, and a number of things need to change. I don't think this is a fix this and it all clicks type thing. I think that there are certain number of dominoes that need to be put in place mm -hmm. before you before you can get them to fall. And um, I just don't know that the front office looks at it the same way. And and, and frankly. I don't know how they could. I don't know how they can't. Like, I don't know. I don't know. And I'm not seeing any other logical way to look at it. My hope, and this is me being optimistic because the McCaskies say they keep themselves out of all football decisions. But, I mean, there were whispers that Ryan Pace wanted to add at the deadline because he does think they're close. My hope is he did want to add and they told him no. And yeah. now they said, no, you're, we, we're, we're not letting you move draft picks right now. We're not letting you sacrifice the future. We're, we're not you know, signing off on this trade. And then also knowing him, he was probably still saying, well, I'm not going to sell because then I, I'm really giving up on my job. Uh, but that is I, I'm not saying that's what happened. I have no idea if that's actually the thing. But that's just my hope against hope is that he was out there actively trying to add some pieces and seeing what he can do and came back to the McCaskies saying, I can trade this fourth round pick for whoever. And they said, no, you're not going to do that. And th th I hope that's the case. I have no idea if that's the case, but what should have been done is started moving on from these pieces. I know Khalil Max on IR. I don't think you can trade him at that point. Yeah. Um, Allen Robinson should have been traded. He's not going to be back next year. It's just he doesn't want to be back. I, I don't think the Bears want to pay him because they're already in cap hell. He should have been moved on from. Uh, there's other pieces that could have been moved on from. I don't – off the top of my head, Akeem Hicks probably could have had a buyer. Some, some, there, there are pieces on the defense that people probably would have given – I'm not saying you're going to get a lot back, but you're already deficient on picks. Start moving people for anything. Sixth-round picks, seventh-round picks, future whatever. Just start getting assets because – the guys on this roster, the older guys on this roster are just not it. Yeah, I, I just want to see them starting to move into that space where they're understanding that this needs to turn around and, and that process needs to begin because 
every time you draft a quarterback, the clock starts right that minute. The clock starts, and the clock is ticking already on Justin Fields. And I know a couple days, a couple weeks ago, it feels like a couple days ago, we were talking about him only having one start under his belt. Well, mm-hmm. he's starting to put some games under his belt. By the time you know it, his rookie season's going to be over. It's going to be his sophomore season. The team's going to stink because you're rebuilding. Yep. Yeah? And maybe junior year, you start to turn around and get some talent, and the defense stands up. Oh, this starts looking like the Bears again. Well, if, the, if, it, if there's not momentum by year three, then you're going into year four talking about picking up a guy's – uh, option and not really knowing what you have because there hasn't been a team around him. I, I know that's really a macro, long-term, worst-case scenario, but that's that's the that's the track that we're on right now. They need to reroute and and start getting this thing turned in a different direction so we can figure out what our quarterback is, who he is in, in the true um, in in the true format and landscape of a good football team. Because I feel like a lot of times, not just in Chicago, you're unable to assess the talent at quarterback because of the inefficiencies around it. Look at any Jets quarterback over the last 30 years. Look at any Browns quarterback over the last 30 years since they became rebecame a franchise. Look at look at. Um, I mean, you could look a million places. If the system's not in place, if the support system isn't there success will not be found. You're seeing a guy in Mac Jones put brick on top of brick in New England because he is insulated with good coaching. And I think that that's that's far more valuable than any flash play. That's far more valuable than any single highlight. That's far more valuable than a guy running for his life and making an amazing thing happen. Um, Week after week progress is what we're looking for. And that's just not been something that you find with the Bears in a very long time. No, no. You're right, and I, I think you you haven't had a franchise quarterback in forever, and now that you have a guy that can be it in your building, you have the, the mentality is we have to do right by him and do everything we can do to aid in the not even aid to be a part of the you know the the growth process for him yeah. because if we ruin this one, who knows when that one's going to come along again? It literally hasn't happened in the history of the franchise. We got to do right by. I'm not saying they're not going to. I mean, I. I I truly think with how the season's going, they're not going to go to the playoffs, and then you're going to see, uh, you know, house cleaning and all that. That's the, that's that's going to be the first step. But you have to do everything you can to surround your quarterback with with as good of a support system as you possibly can. And I, I, I don't have doubt that they're going to get the guys out of there that are running this support system. But I also don't really necessarily have the faith that they're going to bring the guys, the right guys, in to be the next one should we uh, offer up a big winner or loser out of week eight of the nfl season who caught your eye who really sure uh, let's pull that a up statement who i guess i'd pose the question this way matt whose opinion or what team your opinion i'm having trouble phrasing this words your opi- here we go here we go your opinion of what team changed the most on sunday changed the most on sunday or Monday or Thursday, you know, when, whenever they play NFL okay. football. You know, I'm I, I'm, I'm in between two here. Um, I was gonna say the Green Bay Packers, but if we're all honest, if we're being super honest, like I kind of uh, after they got that weird loss to New Orleans out of the way, you knew they were gonna be fine. I still think the Cardinals are a really good team. They had some; they're coming in with some weird injuries. Kyler Murray was right there through that weird interception, but the Packers were, were a winner. My winner is uh, the New England Patriots, though. 
yeah. I thought. Yeah. And it, we, we had no idea what they were. And I think still going into this week, didn't really know who they were. Um, and then they went to kept wanting, keep wanting to say San Diego. I'm never going to stop that. Um, <laughs> they went into LA and they beat now a little bit of a struggling chargers team, but still a very good one and a well-coached one. And, uh, they showed that they're going to be in the playoff race uh, from here on out. And I think they're a very good team. Matthew Judon's been as good of a free agent signing as anybody who's had in football this year. That defense is is looking really good. And like you said, the offense is doing enough. Mac Jones is getting better and they're doing their best to help him, you know, build that foundation. Um, so I, I'm on the Patriots is my, my biggest winner of the week. Yeah, I think we may have anointed the uh, Chargers a little quick, but at the same time, it's a really good football team, and the Patriots found a way to get a win on the road. Never easy to do, um, and I, I like that. That was that was on my short list of winners this weekend as well. Um, for me, uh, the biggest winner is probably – between two here, uh, the biggest winner being either the Cowboys or um, – I was going to say the Steelers, but it was an ugly one. I'm going to say the Cowboys just because you lose your starting quarterback uh, hours before the game. You learn that Dak's not going to be ready. Coming mm-hmm. off the bye, no less. That calf, it's got some, it's got some issues in it. Um, apparently, he's going to be good to go this week, but – I mean, we're talking about a reconstructed leg and the anatomy surrounding that leg. I don't know that this is just going to be a problem that goes away for Dak. But you get a, you put a guy in, on the field named Cooper Rush, and Cooper Rush takes down a Vikings team that was essentially fighting for their playoff lives. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to write them off, but you know they dropped to three and four. That's a whole lot different than four and three. Um, Sunday night football against the backup quarterback. You kind of yeah, have to like go out and win to, if, if you want to make the playoffs. To go out there and without your bullets still pull off a win and do what the Cowboys did to get to 6-1, and one, um, I think that that was just such a big moment in their season. I think that that was a, uh, a true testament to depth and a true testament to um, you know winning regardless of situation. And, and obviously the biggest change that can happen to a football team that – Close. And I know Cooper Rush was taking the first team reps throughout the re- week uh, because Dak was unable to go this and that. But the biggest change, the biggest um, challenge that could be put in front of a football team is losing their quarterback. Mm-hmm. And you lose their quarterback, you get to six and one against what's believed to be a middle to top middle team in the NFL. I think that's a huge win. Uh, nothing else really stood out to me as a huge statement other than, you know, the Cowboys are here and they're not going anywhere regardless of the situation. Yeah, I think that's a team that you need to start looking. We're, we're talking about the, the need to get rid of a head coach. I, I think Mike Zimmer did a very good job there for a little while. I think he's gone almost the overly conservative route and that offense has way too many pieces for it to not be. I, I know Kirk Cousins is was is what he is. But he is a quarterback capable of putting up some big numbers with the talent surrounded by him. We've seen that. And it just seems like such an overly conservative offense. And it's almost like they're playing not to – it's an old-school defensive-minded head coach almost afraid to trust his quarterback, afraid to take a lot of shots offensively because he doesn't want them to lose in the game instead of kind of realizing that you need those offenses in today's NFL to go out and win you those games. 
Uh, Matt, do you have a loser, someone who really fell short of your expectations? This I, I do. This one's pretty easy for me. It's the Cleveland Browns. Um, yeah, you stole my winner and my loser. Well, I'm sorry. We, you know what? If you want to agree with me on the first, if you want to agree with me on the Browns, and we can okay. just say that's the. I, I got a couple other ones that I could say. No, go ahead. Go ahead. I'm, I'm I, just co-signing. Okay, I'm just co-signing everything you're saying. You add on to what I say, but I, I, I was going to say the Bengals, but you know what? Sometimes that happens. Sometimes you lay an egg on the road against a. a Mike White, um, but no, I think the Bengals. Are, I don't think the Bengals are as good as the team that beat the Ravens, and they're not as bad as the team that beat the Jets. They're fine. Could have said the Colts, who should have won that game, but Carson Wentz really lost it for them. But the Cleveland Browns. I know their season's not over, but man, does it really feel demoralizing for them? That drops them to third place in the division now. I think or four. No, sorry, last in the division. Um, I think it's over. It's it really just like this was their year. This was it. They, they Baker had all of his pieces. They had the offensive line. They went out and they added Jadavian Clowney to an already really good defensive line. And I, I can't really even blame the defense because you held Pittsburgh to 15 points, and you know it, that's not that what what that's whatever for me. But Baker's inability to get the offense going, the inability to get team you know chemistry on that offense, how you didn't move on from one of those pieces at the deadline to grab something back for him because there's clearly something wrong in that locker room. Addition kind of by subtraction might have helped. That offense almost moves better without Odell in it. Like Something needs to change in Cleveland. It's not working. I'm not really sure what it is. I still like Kevin Stefanski. I think he's a pretty good head coach, but I think he can only do so much when the locker room is in so much turmoil, it seems like. And we talked about it on the season preview show. Like, how is this? This is. I know they had some expectations last year, but this is really the first year that this group is like Super Bowl contenders. They're they're the they're the hot pick to win the Super Bowl, go out of the AFC, kind of be a dark horse, whatever. And they're just completely failing that test. Ten points yeah. at home against the Steelers. I don't care. I don't care how good that defense is against a team that struggled as much as the Steelers this year. Ten points at home is unacceptable. I think uh, it has to be noted that. You know, you're a completely different football team when you are a run-first team and you lose your two mm-hmm. big-name backs. Um, whether Chubb and Hunt are at the root of the issue, that I don't know. I think you can more readily look to Baker Mayfield and the fact that Cleveland doesn't really know what the future of the quarterback position holds anymore. And, you know, 12 months ago, we were talking about, oh, Baker's making all these steps in the right direction. Baker's looking like he's going to get his contract. Everything's setting up nicely. Now, he incurs a shoulder injury earlier in the season and then re-injures it again, and maybe he's not moving in his fullest form. But at the same time, like he's making bad decisions again. He's regressing a little bit. Um, looking like just like a fifth-year option. We'll see what you got, and we'll go from there type situation. You're not paying this guy after this season. No, I mean, did, did, did you see – I know the Broncos aren't a great team, but they play pretty decent defense. Did you see what Case Keenum did with this offense against the Denver yeah. Broncos on Thursday? I know it's – but like – he didn't do anything spectacular, but he played fine. He made good decisions. He took care of the football, and they won the football game at home. Like you don't need with the the amount of I guess talent surrounding uh, surrounding Baker Mayfield. You don't need this flashy guy. You kind of more so just need a guy that's going to take care of the football, know the offense, and run it. And Baker's decision making just isn't there. From Cooper Rush to Mike White to. Uh... 
Um, Trevor Simeon, we saw some we saw some backups go get some wins here in week eight of the NFL season, but week eight is behind us. We're on to week nine, Monday night football. Yeah. Pittsburgh Steelers. I think the Pittsburgh Steelers are bad enough to beat. I, I do. Um, they had a 15-10 win last week. Uh, we'll give you a full breakdown. I'm not doing previews until this team shows me something. But, that's uh, totally that's, fair. That's when you'll see the Bears is on Monday night. They can't ruin your Sunday this week, folks. Silver lining to it all. Matt, uh, let's just hope Justin does some cool things. Yeah, um, some more cool stuff in primetime here. You want to yeah. talk uh, World Series? You want to offer let's up some co- locks? Let's go college football. Locks or college football? College football. All right. Okay. Um, you can clip this and send it to the committee. Hey, what was that? Hey, hey, college football playoff committee. What you, what you doing? Let me let me ask you because I, I think there there were definitely some head scratching moves there. What is your biggest what? Like kind of Oklahoma what? Oklahoma at, at eight Oklahoma at, at eight Oklahoma at eight is unforgivable. Um, my next biggest what is Cincinnati not being at least five. Um, mm-hmm. Cincinnati at six is confusing to me too. Um, I, I get Alabama being two a one. Lo- I don't have a problem with a one loss too. I don't. I, I don't. I'm not. I don't believe that it has to be all of the undefeated teams stacked up at the top mm-hmm. and then whatever from there. My biggest head scratcher is Oklahoma. Oklahoma at eight because you are conceivably going to have an undefeated Big Twelve champion that you cannot get into the playoff because of where you put them in the first ranking. And don't tell me that the first ranking doesn't matter because last year the first ranking was the final four. It did not change. And I, I'm not saying that's going to be the case this year. I don't think it's going to be the case because Michigan State has some tough games in front of them. I don't think they finish the season undefeated. And mm-hmm. if they don't, they get bumped and Ohio State goes in if Ohio State wins the Big Ten Championship. But that also begs another question. With Ohio State sitting at um, – I don't have it in front of me. Ohio, Ohio State sitting Seven at – 7-1. 7-1. No, no, I know, but... Uh, oh, they're, they're number five. five. Sorry. They're number five. They're Thank number you. Five. With Ohio State sitting at five and Oregon sitting at four, you've obviously put value on that head-to-head win. Um, you, you've said the head-to-head is more valuable than strength of the wins because, or strength or, or strength of the losses for that matter because Oregon's loss to Stanford is worse than Ohio State's loss to Oregon. But yes, you put the value in the head-to-head. Okay, what happens if both of those teams went out and win their conferences? Well, then you have to say, sorry, Oregon. We're jumping you and Ohio State's in. There's a world where both of those teams win out and Ohio State gets bumped in the rankings. I, I just think that the, I think that the committee put themselves into a corner here with what they're able to do and not do. For me, it would have gone like this. Number one, Ala- uh, excuse me, number one, Georgia. Number two, Oklahoma. It's an undefeated Big 12 team. Mm-hmm. I don't care that they've played close games against teams that they're not supposed to. They are 8-0. They're going to win the Big 12. They have a new quarterback who's moving them in, all, in the right direction. They have all the signs of being a college football playoff team. It's number one, Georgia, number two, Oklahoma, number three, Alabama, number four, Cincinnati. And I say Cincinnati number four because you can easily bump Cincinnati even if they win out. Mm-hmm. You can say, hey, strength of the win, strength of schedule. Sorry, guys. There is no way in hell that from the outside Cincinnati gets in. Essentially what the committee just told to Cincinnati, 
was sorry. Thanks for playing. We don't have room for you this year. There's no way Cincinnati. So much mayhem has to occur for Cincinnati to get in. Yes, okay. Michigan, excuse me, Michigan State, recency bias, they're a really good team. Look at their strength of schedule. It's lower than Cincinnati's. Mm -hmm. Just because they beat a Michigan team and came back against an okay Michigan team, we're all up in arms about them right now because they're undefeated. There's just so much um, contradictory thought in the way that this list came out. But my biggest head scratcher undoubtedly is Oklahoma at eight. What are we doing? So I, I I'm weirded out, weirded out. My, I, I agree. Oklahoma at eight is wild to me. I'm not sure I would you have asked. them. You have them completely out of the conversation. Yeah, I'm not sure. I see. That's where I kind of disagree with you because you did say Cincinnati is easily jumpable by a, a Power Five conference champion. And if Oklahoma, if Oklahoma runs the table, okay, that, that's one if, of five teams well, they need to jump. Let me, let me. I know, I know, I know. But if you, you got three teams ahead of them, they're going to play each other still. Or I'm sorry, Michigan, Michigan State have already played each other. Michigan State still plays Ohio State. Ohio State still plays Michigan. There's still going to be some more carnage there. Georgia okay. and Alabama. Are gonna, car- carnage is great. One Oklahoma. of those teams is in. One of those teams is in. Very likely. You're you're absolutely correct. Oregon. I I don't think they assume that is going. I don't think they assume Oregon's going to run the table. But I have no problem with where you have Oregon right now because if you look at all of those teams, Oregon has the best win, and their one loss came. With in, in a very injured, banged up, weird game at Stanford, that okay, that they haven't looked great the rest of the year, but you have to have them over Ohio State right now because they do have that data point. They played each other. Ohio State strength is. I, I don't think you really need great to. I, I don't think you need to because because of the simple fact that their their the criteria has been muddled here already. Oregon has Washington State, Utah, and Oregon State left. You don't think they're going to run the table? Uh, they, also, the they also have they're, Utah in a Pac-12 championship game that I think is a pretty good team. Probably uh, beats them. Okay. I, I just think you're setting yourself up to have to put an Oregon team in that would lose to whoever the five, six, seven, and eight teams are going to be. I think Oregon right now put on a football field with Ohio State again loses. I think Oregon put on a football field with Michigan loses. I think Oregon put on a football field with Oklahoma loses. I think Oregon put on a football field with Notre Dame probably loses. I don't know about – I don't know what happens when mm-hmm. you put Oregon on a football field with Cincinnati. I would have had Cincinnati at four. I, I'm sorry. I'm, you have I, to I, have Cincinnati. I'm sorry. I would have had either Cincinnati or Oklahoma at four, and Oregon and Ohio State as your five or six, or maybe six or seven. I, but I think or oh, I'm sorry. Oklahoma and Cincinnati should probably be ahead of both Oregon and Ohio State in my yes. opinion. But I, I think the way I what I don't like about these rankings, and I think it's even more reason why we need to go to a this 12 team format. Is one, the argument you're making isn't necessarily incorrect. If Ohio State and Oregon played tomorrow, I think Ohio State wins that game by two touchdowns. But the fact, yeah. like, I also don't think that what we can let this 14 playoff turn into is well. Yeah, they, they played or they haven't looked good, but they've done this in the past. They've been really good in the past, so I think they're I think they'd still win. So you know, Ohio State should still get over like. You have to. I, well, that's I, the exact I think you, reason Alabama's sitting at number two right now. Exactly, and I don't necessarily agree with that. I think Alabama should be in the top four, but I think by putting Alabama at two, and then my bigger problem having Texas A&M at fourteen and Mississippi State at seventeen, is the committee's giving themselves a chance to say, "Well, well, look at Alabama's wins. They got to win over the number fourteen team, the number seventeen team, the number sixteen team. Auburn's up." That's my problem with what with what they and I not I also, only not I only that, Matt. 
Glad, not you, only that, so I don't lose this, and then then you interrupt me. But I also think this is why I don't agree with your Oklahoma point because look who's sitting at eleven and twelve. Two teams that are left on Oklahoma's schedule, and if Oklahoma goes and beats Oklahoma State and beats Baylor, I mean wh- th- that's going to be their reason to jump those guys farther because Oklahoma's going to have Oklahoma. If yeah, they run the table, I, I see what you're saying. Board. I see what you're they, saying. If they run the table, if they have wins against number eleven, number twelve, and Oregon keeps unimpressively winning, we've seen it before. We've seen it uh, the first year they did the playoff where Ohio State jumped TCU and Baylor. Yeah, they're I, not I afraid it, to do that on the last I, week. I just find it really difficult. I think that we're more likely to see teams or the way I would understand the situation is if you're in the first ranking and you win out, you cannot take me out, you know, mm-hmm. and, and and that's not the case. That's not the rules, yeah. but it, it just doesn't make sense to me anything otherwise. See, what, I, that, what's also hard, notable, sorry. what's also notable about Alabama to me is that they've insulated Alabama at number two. I think what they just told you is that regardless of the outcome in the SEC – I wouldn't say regardless of outcome. In the SEC title game, if Alabama loses a one-possession game to Georgia and they're a two-loss Alabama team, they've insulated them at number two to even mm-hmm. possibly say – It's going to be a four. That's your four team. Yep. A two-loss four team and we're leaving out undefeated Oklahoma or we're leaving out undefeated Cincinnati. Um, obviously, undefeated Wake is going to be left out. The ACC is irrelevant. Sorry, I, I feel bad for Wake Forest. Um, I don't. I don't. <laughs> um, the ACC is what it is. It is. Um, but they just – I think that was another message. No, that, that, that is in the first ranking for that they did. There's probably going to be two as barring Alabama getting their doors blown off in the SEC championship game. You're going to see two SEC teams in the in the college football. That, that in my opinion, I, I think that's the first thing I thought when I watched the reveal is okay. This this is this is them setting up Alabama to and and I don't I, I don't have a problem with that. I, I, I don't have a problem with that because at a certain point, yes, you have to have the record, you have to have the wins, you have to have the strength of schedule, you have to have all of those things. But at, the, at a certain point, I want the four best football teams there. And you can't tell me, regardless of record, that Alabama and Georgia aren't two of the best football teams in the country this year. It just that my eyes, my eyes see what mm-hmm. they see, and whether Alabama's got two losses, one loss, regardless of what the situation is, it's one of the four best teams in the country. I will say, I do think they're the the one path for a two that two, which is wild for me to that I'm going to say this, the one path for that two loss Alabama team we keep talking about to be left out is if Ohio State runs the table, Ohio State's in because they're Ohio State and the committee loves Ohio State as much as almost as much as they love Alabama. But mm-hmm. if Oklahoma runs the table and they are an undefeated Pac-12, or, sorry, Pac-12 Big 12 champion with multiple wins over Oklahoma State or Baylor, whoever else they were going to play in the, the Big 12 championship, the committee loves Oklahoma too. I do think an undefeated 13-0, and whatever it would be, Oklahoma, would at that point pass a two-loss Alabama team. That's yeah, so, my, so that's that's just my point. Is like that should, they've they've put themselves into a corner here. They have completely handcuffed themselves to a number of outcomes that could all come to fruition here in the coming in, in the it just, coming weeks. And it just seems they, like for years past they don't care about those though. They're just going to do what they want. They don't care really right. about the perception. They're going to make the rankings to fit their narrative and to look what they want. And that's why some of these weird like bottom of the uh bottom of the you know 
top 25 rankings. Like, what? Wait, what? Who's that? Why are yeah. they there? Because they want to set up Alabama's resume to look like it is. They want to set up Michigan's. Th- There's a reason that Not- the reason a seven and one Notre Dame team is is number ten, and the, the team. And this isn't me speaking as a Notre Dame fan, but the reason a seven one Notre Dame team is number ten, and a seven and one and a seven and one Michigan team is number seven with a common data point of both blowing out Wisconsin. I think Notre Dame won by more. Granted, whatever is new, whatever. It would, that's the common data point they have. It's because they want to devalue Cincinnati. That's why yeah. Notre Dame's number 10 and Michigan is number 7. They want to make Michigan State look that much better than Cincinnati. They want Ohio yeah, State's point. win at the end of the year if Michigan uh, runs the table the rest of the way, beats Penn State. They want Ohio State's win to look that much better. That's why these rankings are so – it's why you need to go to 12 teams because it makes the rest – I don't like 12 teams. So whatever. Don't okay, fine. Today. It's why I need to expand. I, I don't want 12 might not be today, right, but that's too to much. Expand. That's too much football. That's too much football for these guys. You're you're completely doing away with non-conference football. Then you're going to get one non-con game and then be right in your conference mm-hmm. schedule. You're going to be playing 15 games a season minimum for these top tier schools. And essentially, the product that I truly care about suffers, and that's mm-hmm. the NFL. You're going to lose talent. You're going to lose guys to injury. You're going to lose guys to catastrophic injury playing too much football in their final years of their college in their final games of their college career. Ask Jalen Smith who just got cut for the third time in 12 months. Mm-hmm. Ask Jalen Smith, who's, who's, who's on the free agency market and is going to have to move his life somewhere else to try and pick up the pieces and put something together. Ask him if he regrets playing in the pinstripe bowl. Ask him if he and I'm not and I'm not comparing the pinstripe bowl to a pe- potential college football playoff quarterfinal. But if you're the 12th team in the country, your chances of you might as well be in the pinstripe bowl. Uh, there's going to be a lot of guys playing meaningless football um, and a lot of it, and that puts those individuals in a bad spot. That that's where I worry about a 12 team playoff. Do I think expansion is necessary? Yes, I love six. You give a bye to the first two teams and then you play it out. I, I'd listen to eight. Twelve is too much. I agree. Twelve is too much, but I just I think that. And I'll tell you this, that, Matt. Go ahead. Finish. Finish. It Dennis up. Dodd, our college football insider, essentially told me yesterday, "Get ready for four again next year." There's a lot of differing. There's a lot of descending thought in the room right now. There's a lot of people who strongly support expansion. There's a lot of people who are still staunch against it. They don't want to relinquish control to common sense. They want to be able to. They want to. <laughs> they want so to wild. Expand, they want this expanded BCS so they can cherry pick their four teams and do what they want. It's it's going to reach an impasse, and Dennis is of the belief that it's not happening. It's not imminent. Nothing nothing is coming to pass here in the near future. Hey, that's that's totally fair. I I also think twelve is too many. I just think four is too few. I, I I've I've yeah. always been of the belief of you should it should be the top six and number you know top two seeds get buys three and four get to play true home games on campus. I don't think that'll ever happen. Um, but I, I, I'm with you. I think four, I think 12 is too many. I, I just, I think you need to go to four or at the most eight. Uh, I, I just, I, I think there's too many, there's too many deserving teams that get, get left out uh, of, yeah. because of reputation and ratings. And I know it, it's all about money and all that stuff, but it's, at, at some point it just becomes unfair to certain programs and certain kids. Uh, we are not going to solve the college football world's problems in one day, but we try. We could if they just let us. If they listen, damn it. Um, but, Matt, what we can do is offer up the people winners, which we have week after week, both of us sitting at 6-3 and three in our locks of the week. 
You want to lead us off here? Because I believe you are college. Let's uh, keep things in those ranks. Yeah, I'm going to go college. I'm going to go uh, Ohio State. First half, minus seven and a half at, uh, at your fighting Nebraska Cornhuskers. Um, I think Ohio State knows exactly what they have to do the rest of the way. And I, it, while there probably shouldn't be in my eyes, I think there is a path for them to jump Oregon if they both run the table. And that path is to win and win big. Yeah. Um, this is not a spot Ohio State's unfamiliar to. I, th- I, I would have taken their game line of 14. It was 14 and a half, and the hook scared me a little bit. So I'm going to take the minus seven and a half in the first half. I think they come out firing. I think they blow the doors off Nebraska, who's had an admirable season and kind of taken a step forward. They're just, but they're just kind of falling off a little bit. They, or they, they had a there's no more air. There's, there's yeah. no more air left in that balloon. They, they, they put everything they had in that Michigan game, and that Michigan game just deflated them. And, and since yeah, the, uh, Ohio State's going the other way, Give me Ohio State, it, just the touchdown and the hook uh, in the first half. I'll take that. My other I've one been, was Cincinnati, laying 12 and a half in the first half against Tulsa. But I just I don't know how – I like Luke Fickle a lot. I know that's a veteran team. I don't know how that team's going to respond being number six. It's either going to be yeah. sleepwalking or blow the doors off. I'm just not sure which one it's going to be. Um, in the case of – Ohio State traveling to Nebraska. I've been standing on that sideline before as as the silver bullets hung 52. Oh, yeah. Uh, I believe they've scored like 45-plus in each of their last three trips to Lincoln. I think that's a really nice pick there in the first half for them with all of – with all they have left to prove, uh, wasn't there, there wasn't there the big night game a couple of years ago? I don't think you were yeah. still there. Were you were you still there for that one? The the big uh, night the game. The one where, I was there was a night game too. But then there's there's been one since as well. Okay, that, I'm talking about the the most recent one where Nebraska was all excited. It was earlier on in the year, and Ohio State was up like 27 to nothing yeah. at halftime or something like that. Yeah, I think this one looks a lot like that one. Uh, for me, I'm keeping it in the NFL ranks. I am taking our New England Patriots laying four at home against Carolina. I don't think Carolina is very good, and I think that this New England team is playing awesome football at home. It's a short four. They've shown the ability to blow teams out when the opportunity presents itself, so this one might not even be a sweat. Give me the New England Patriots laying four at home against the fighting Sam Darnold. Let's do it. I, 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 this is, I don't want to jinx ourselves and knock on wood here. This is, I think this is the best record we've kind of had like this far into the year. Collective, yeah. Collectively, Collective. I should say, yeah. We're, uh, we're far I, from fade season. I was, I, was in, I was a little bit worried. I was in a little bit of a skid, a two-game skid after that 5-1 and one loss. And then, and then, you know, the, the, the DAC news comes out late. And I'm like, oh, my God, here we go again. And then Cooper Rush bails me out with an, with an end zone fade. with an end zone fade that would make Rob Gallick blush. Your your fate just connected to Cooper Rush. Isn't that where isn't that where everyone wants to be? You know, we, there's no NFL quarterback I'd rather tie my fate to during the beginning of Maction than than Cooper Rush. Than Cooper Rush. Uh, Matt, I know you got a hard out here. Uh, thank you for making the time to knock out a Moose and Moons podcast, episode 228. Do you have anything else for the people before we say au revoir? Uh, Bulls. Let's watch the Bulls. Get on the Bulls bandwagon. We're a Bulls Bulls pod now. We're a Bulls pod now. Got the Um, Sixers tonight. We're in Philly. Big big statement game out east. Let's do it. Big statement game out east. Only the Uh, Bulls. See red. See red, baby. See red. Uh, For Matt Rooney, I am Joe Musso. Thank you, as always, for listening to the Moose and Moons podcast. This episode 228, as always, hit us up on Twitter. Send in your mailbag questions. Leave us your thoughts because we do it for you. But for now, he is Matt. I am Joe. See you guys next week. May God give you for every storm a rainbow, for every tear a smile. 
for every care a promise and a blessing in each trial. I swear I've seen a lot of stuff in my life, but that was awesome. <laughs> Chicken on the steak was phenomenal. <laughs>